Hey there. How you doing? It's Monday. So what does that mean? That means it's time to fuck shit up. Welcome to Outside Perspective. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. Now, if you're listening to this and it's not Monday, that means you're not listening when I'm dropping these. You should do that. Either way, I'm still happy you're listening. So, thank you for joining me. A bit of housekeeping. Please do me a favor and leave a review, leave a rating, tell a friend, tell one friend. If you find any entertainment or value in this podcast, just tell one friend. It's much appreciated. Also, subscribe if you haven't already. You may have to go back through and um, do another search like you uh, haven't already done before or like you already did before, probably a better way to say it. Find the podcast that way again. Hit that subscribe button. These things help. Moving on. Let me tell you about CBD. For those of you that uh, don't know, CBD is a compound found in the cannabis plant. And it has many, many benefits, many medicinal benefits. It helps with anxiety and depression and inflammation. And it has neuroprotective properties. And these are just a handful of them. There's so many. It's basically an adaptogen. I don't know if it's been technically classified as an adaptogen, but it's an adaptogen. What does the user need? It's not a miracle. However, if you are having issues, it's usually going to help with those. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's say you suffer from extreme anxiety. It will help with that. But Susan over here, She's having chronic inflammation from just maybe a shitty diet or maybe she had an issue. She needs to get that inflammation under control. CBD will help with that. But over here, we got Patrick. He's epileptic. He's having seizures. CBD can help him with that. Same compound, all different issues. It can help with. What you don't have to worry about is the psychoactive ingredient of THC because that is something different. You don't have to worry about getting high. You don't have to worry about failing a drug test. That's not what CBD does. That's not what CBD is. Now, I like to get my CBD from Jumbo Superfoods. Jumbo Superfoods is a company based in California, and they are doing it. Right, all high-quality ingredients. They are using the best stuff. They have several products. I am a fan of their Muscle Balm as well as the spray, and they also have the drops, and they have a ghee that you can put in your coffee. These guys are just fucking awesome. I love everything that they're doing. It's all good vibes. These are great people. I had one of the guys, Kyle Brown, on the podcast. Go back to episode 6 if you haven't checked that out already. He is awesome. They are awesome. Their products are amazing, and I highly recommend them. So you can go to their website, use the code JOMBOLOVESYOU at checkout, get 15% off your first order. If you want to help me out, you can use the link in my show notes. It'll contribute a small portion of your order to the podcast and it helps every little bit helps guys so i really appreciate that moving on i have another awesome entrepreneur as my guest today her name is sarah schlafly she is a self-proclaimed serial entrepreneur she has two companies um one is called multipass and uh the other one is called Mighty Cricket, which is a, uh, it's a, like a cricket protein company. They have a cricket protein. They also have what they call cricket cereal, which is oatmeal with ground cricket protein in there. And um, it was just really cool to connect with her, 
learned some things. I wasn't too aware of crickets. In my mind, I hear crickets. I just think of like maybe chocolate covered crickets. You hear them serving that, you know, kind of around the world. Uh, but it was good to uh, to sit down with her and learn more about what she has going on. Um, I think you guys are going to enjoy it too. It's fucking fascinating stuff, man. So without further ado, Sarah Schlafly. Here we go, Sarah Schlafly. Hello. How are you? Great. I'm so I'm so happy you're here. Now, I first actually want to ask before we kind of give an intro to all the folks, being that we're here in St. Louis and Schlafly is a brewery. Do you get that question a lot? Like, are you related to that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Are you related to that? I I'm am. asking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you are really. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So is that where you think you kind of got your entrepreneurial spirit from? Um, yeah, in my family, there are a lot of entrepreneurs. My grandmother was very entrepreneurial, Mm -hmm. um, and she was very well known, Phyllis Schlafly. Um, so that's probably where I got the most from was from my grandmother. From your grandmother? Yeah. Yeah. Was she a big part of your life growing up? She was a big role model Yeah, in my life. Just kind of somebody you looked up to, the things that she had done, and mm-hmm. you want to kind of aspire to do something like that to that degree. Yeah, I would read about her. Her name would be in my history books. Oh, really? So it was always, um, like, with her being my grandmother, I never really thought about it until I got into maybe high school or so, mm-hmm. high school and college, and then... Um, People would kind of talk about her, and then I realized that she was um, really inspirational, and she had this can-do attitude. Like, she didn't think that anything could not be achieved. Right. Yeah, that's super important to uh, to have a belief and to uh, to kind of follow up that with action. So, I must, yeah, that must have been pretty cool to actually have that role model um, to, to look, look at and kind of aspire towards. Um, Oh, I was going to ask you a question about her. Oh, what did, what, so she was an entrepreneur. What exactly did she do? I'm just curious. Uh, she wrote several books. She was okay. a political activist. Okay. Um, she was from so here in St. Louis? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's super cool. That's super cool. So growing up, um, did you have much exposure to, like, to, like, the brewery business or anything like that? Or were you just kind of, like, doing your own thing and then, like, is that ran by your parents, or who's that ran by? I don't know. What's your relation? Let me start there. What is your relation to that business? The brewery is my dad's cousin. Oh, your dad's cousin. Yeah. Okay, so that's just kind of a thing. So do, does that annoy you that people ask you about that? No. No, no it's I just think kind it's, of a thing. It's good branding, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Schlafly, like, immediately people are – it's an easy – conversation opener yeah so i use that um to my advantage to be able to talk to people yeah um who i'm interested in talking to because they're like oh schlafly are you related and it's like boom i'm in boom yeah <laughs> no yeah that's nice that's an awesome icebreaker and yeah. uh i can only imagine the people that butcher your name it took me a while to learn schlafly <laughs> <laughs> you know the brewery has really helped with that yeah so like 10 or 15 years ago yeah people would drop l's like not get the spell the pronunciation right but now um people pretty much know schlafly at least in st louis yeah they know yeah. how to pronounce it that's cool that's cool all right well we're not here for that but i was i was super curious so i had to ask you um so for the folks listening you are an entrepreneur you have a company yeah, a couple companies actually mm-hmm. so if you won't if you don't mind just kind of uh give a brief kind of intro tell some people like you know who you are and kind of a little bit about your businesses a little bit and then we'll just Go from there. We'll sure. Keep in. Yeah. I like to say that I'm a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. Because I've had multiple companies, and one of them is making cereal out of insect protein powder. So that one's called Mighty Cricket. Right. Specifically crickets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my other company, MultiPass, we are a network of innovative workspaces. So uh, we have shared collaborative workspaces like co-working co-living around the world and we are essentially an association for them and we provide them support so Mm -hmm. that they can in turn impact and um, help the entrepreneurs in their spaces yeah that's really cool um 
we 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 spoke on the phone briefly, and um, I definitely wanted to touch on um, on that business because environment is so important. Um, whether it's like a work environment, especially in the work environment, because how many people? I mean, most people spend a good portion of their day at work. I feel like some people basically live at work. You know what I mean? So yeah. so to have that uh, that environment is is very important. Um, what drove you to do that? Um. Well, it started as the Airbnb of co-working, and I'm really into travel, so I thought that that business concept would fit perfectly with my interests and my lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but it's just evolved since uh, my co-founder, Christian Johnson, and I learned the industry and saw where the need was. Mm-hmm. Um, it evolved into this support for the workspaces, and so I spent the past year and a half learning all about the industry and um so here we are today and i am very knowledgeable about workspaces and innovation and what breeds innovation mm-hmm. um and then uh, in addition with mighty cricket um i've always worked in food i've had other food startups and um i was also the uh, I built the digital marketing department for a national food brand. Oh, cool. Um, so that was just, you know, that's one of my passions that I've always had. Yeah. So, yeah, you like to build things. I do. Yeah. 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 What was your first business? It was a mobile culinary school. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. What was it called? Um, that one was a Whisking Apprentice. Okay. And I learned uh, a little bit about, about, a lot about branding through that. Mm-hmm. Um one of them being how to pick a name that was a little bit easier to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's People pretty important. like whiskey. I'm like, no, whisking. Whisking. Like yeah. you're whisking something. Yeah. Not the whiskey you drink. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, that's a terrible name. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all a process, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So that was my, uh, my first company I built in North Carolina. That was my, um, my MBA. Okay. That's what I like to say it as. Yeah. Uh, because you learn so much when you start a business. Oh, my goodness. And I felt like I learned more in two years than I had in like four years of higher education. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, especially, especially when it comes to business because like that formal education format is. I mean, it has its purpose, but if you're trying yeah. to be an entrepreneur, I mean, you might as well just go do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've toyed a lot with get, the idea of getting an MBA, and I was like, well, you know, <laughs> I could either spend two years paying to get educated, or I could spend two years possibly getting paid and get educated, so right. maybe I'll just do the hands-on approach. <laughs> I think that's a good approach for sure, and especially in today's climate, I mean... There's so many resources. Um, yeah. I'm an avid podcast listener. I, I mean, that's why I started this podcast. And um, in the health and wellness space, almost all of the relevant information is coming through podcasts or, I mean, books that are being released. But even then, a lot of those people who are like the scientists and actually doing the work, I mean, they're disseminating their information like in real time, like through like to the people through the podcast um, that they do and the books that they write and whatnot. So. Yeah, just that hands-on approach is, um, I feel like that's really the way to go. Yeah, you know, when I was um, teaching my, uh, these cooking classes, I, my angle was integrating nutrition into cooking. And so I took a free online, um, one of those MOOC courses on the science of gastronomy. What's that? So, uh, MOOC or? No, gastronomy. Gastronomy. So it was um, basically the chemical breakdown of food and um, how how you taste food, oh. how you visualize food. And so it really went into the detail, like the science of eating. Mm-hmm. And um, that was just one example of a free online course mm-hmm. that I took. Um, and I did a whole bunch of others like nutrition. I studied chemistry as I was learning, um, teaching myself so that for my cooking school, I studied nutrition. Mm -hmm. I read a whole bunch of, um, articles from, uh, um, 
the peer reviewed mm-hmm. like the literature. Yeah. yeah, the journals. Um, and so I I gained all this knowledge without having to pay someone. On the other hand, I don't have any credentials behind my name. So Yeah, that's that flip side, isn't it? Yeah. And sometimes I wonder how important those are. I guess it just depends on your industry, right? It depends. Like if I wanted to um, work in a large corporation um, and wanted to be like an exec there, I'd have to get an MBA. Yeah. It's just kind of the the rules of the game. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, I did go that route and I got, so I got my master's in healthcare administration and um, lo and behold, I don't work in a hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just have this, I have this piece of paper that looks cool, I guess. Yeah. But um, I think back, I'm like, man, I could have, I could have just, uh, just the path that I'm on now, I could have just done that sooner. So it seems like you figure that out for yourself pretty quickly. Um, yeah. After four years of college, um, I got a degree in accounting. Mm-hmm. I was pretty burnt out from school. So I took a break. And then like for me, I took a break and then I started my own company. And it was just a tough pill to swallow going back. Yeah. Because all of a sudden... As I was teaching myself, I had an immediate application. Right. Whereas in school, you learn things, but you don't immediately apply it, so you don't absorb it as well. Right. And also, it's harder to get excited and interested in a subject when it's all theory. Yeah. For the for four years, everything's just theory. You're not practicing. So, uh, yeah, I like so many times. There were about three times that I either enrolled in a program or I was looking seriously at a program and I pulled out last minute. I'm yeah. Like, I can't do it. Oh yeah. It's just going to just like crush your soul almost. It's like everything yeah. It's just going to take away all your time. Yes. And, and, and then now everything is going to be papers and tests. Right. And uh, none of it's going to really directly impact your, uh, like your immediate income. So I can, yeah, I can imagine that'd probably be a hard thing to go back to right now. So did you get your undergrad? You, you mentioned North Carolina. Is that where you went? Were you on the coast for school? No, I um, got my undergrad at Truman State. Oh, at Truman? Yeah. Okay. And then I guess just the travel bug caught you and you started traveling. Is that what happened? I've lived in Georgia, North Carolina, Columbus, Ohio, and oh, now man. I'm back here in St. Louis. Man, just jumping around, yeah. huh? Yeah, I like it. Well, I mean, how do you know what you like unless you go explore? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, where did your so with your your current company, um, the the Mighty Cricket Company, mm-hmm. you know that's that's geared towards health. Yes. Um, where did where did your journey into health begin for you? Um, I started getting into it in high school. Okay. Um, I became really conscious about what kind of foods we we're putting in our bodies, and um, you know my. My, I would hear my mom struggle. She would always talk about her weight and how mm-hmm. she's trying to lose weight from um, all the babies that she's had. And so she was constantly talking about it. So that probably is what got me interested in the subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, in high school, my friends all knew me as like the health nut. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I carried through through college and I started... When I got to college, I was surprised. I remember being distinctly just surprised at how little people knew about nutrition and oh, yeah. what is actually healthy. Because um, the college students would just look at the front of packaging on the shelves, and if it was had like a health-looking brand. Like if it had green colors. Yeah, or... green colors and said like... All natural. You know, healthy choice not to pick on that brand but if it had like a name like healthy choice they're like oh it's healthy right it's a healthy choice you know of course the branding works and um no one knew how to read few people knew how to read nutrition labels Mm -hmm. so i just naturally started um sharing with my fellow colleagues about how to read nutrition labels and and I was like, this is kind of fun, you know? And mm-hmm. I was also surprised at how little people knew how to cook. Yeah. So, oh, like, man. I would get calls from my friends being like, Sarah, how do you boil an egg? I'm like, really? It's I like uh, water and heat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes later, you're done. Um, so, I saw this need in the market. And um, that's where that 
that's when I started the cooking school. And then um, from there, I went into the corporate world for a couple of years, helping build up um, that brand in digital marketing, having learned so much about how to market my own company. And um, then I just started learning about insect protein. And I was so intrigued by it for two reasons. One is it is super sustainable. And then the second reason is so healthy. And I have been looking at that time for a a sustainable, healthy protein source that I could feel comfortable about eating. Because I'm getting fed up with the meat industry and the way cattle is treated and the way chickens are cooped up. Um, And then to go and buy like grass-fed or... Um, happy chickens and cows, you know, it's, it's still, you're, you're paying a lot for that. Um, and thinking long term, it's like with cows, you know, emitting all of these carbon gases, these greenhouse gases and, and the amount of feed it takes to feed chickens and cows and the land and all this stuff. It's yeah. like, how are we going to feed ourselves in 20 or 40 years and still have a healthy planet and not um, be eating just soy yeah. all the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially because now, have you seen like, like they're growing meat in labs? Have mm-hmm. you seen that? Yeah. I don't know if I would trust that. Personally, I mean, I guess it would be maybe an option to not yeah. to not have the cows and, and the different animals and whatnot out there, but right. I I I'm always my first response of any new tech technology is a little bit you know discomfort. Um, I'm open minded to it if it does prove in the scientific world and it it becomes vetted and. Um, if it proves that it is healthy, then okay. Yeah. You know, I'll accept it. Um, I don't, I have no knowledge right now about right. whether or not it's appropriate. It, yeah. I don't know if anybody knows if it's healthy or what the, the yeah. long-term consequences of, I mean, they're still figuring it all, like all of that out. Yeah. But um, I just kind of look at that and I think, I mean, there has to be more sustainable ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like crickets or um, just other forms of protein. Yeah, and I'm really excited about edible insects because um, they are a protein powerhouse, especially crickets. Um, Crickets, like, they just eat, and, like, everything they eat turns into protein, it seems like. Um, But they're also uh, really high in omega-3s. They're an excellent source of omega-3s and iron. Okay. And we're talking about hemoglobin iron which is different than the iron you get from spinach, say, which is a plant iron. Our bodies have to convert that iron to be used in our bodies. But if it comes from an animal source, it's already in the form of iron that we can absorb. Right, right. Yeah, you hear the argument a lot, um, especially, well, I just had a a guest, and uh, they're... Uh, real big hemp advocates, and I I use hemp protein. I eat hemp seeds and different things, and um, it has you know the omega three and six profile, which is really good, like the balance there, mm-hmm. and it's it's very bioavailable and all of that. But the truth of the matter is, animal protein is more bioavailable and it's yeah. better used by the body. Period. Yeah. It is. It's it's you can't argue that um, the body just absorbs our own. Yeah, you know, yeah. Kind. <laughs> yeah. We're we're meant to, you know, life consumes life. Yeah, it's just kind of the way the circle works. Right. So that's what you get in insects versus plants, um, like the omega threes. So crickets have an excellent omega three six ratio. Um, I believe it's three to one um, omega six omega threes, and um, It's in the form of, so like in plants, you get ALA omega-3s, and we have to convert it to DHA. I think so, yeah. Yep. And so in crickets, you're going to get that DHA omega-3s. And the conversion rate in our body from ALA to DHA is really poor. I think it's like 1 to 9 or something Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, We're not so good at converting. Yeah, when it's all said and done, you know, you're not really getting a whole lot of what you're intending to get. Well, you know, you're getting you're getting 
great nutrients, but mm. this is just, you know, from an argument of why crickets, this is just one of the things I use. <laughs> oh, I gotcha. I got yeah. <laughs> I could dig it. What do they taste like? Uh, when they're roasted, they taste like a toasted almond. Ooh, that sounds good. It is good. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine a lot of people just have trouble just getting over the idea, right? It is the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Especially my products, we powder them and make it consumer-friendly. So you don't even realize that you're eating cricket had I not told you. Um, So mostly when people don't want to try it or they're squeamish to try it, it's just because I told them ahead of time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I I also like to tell people you're already eating, eating insects if you consume anything with wheat or, you know, any nut butter. Because insects get grounded in that yeah, chocolate, in mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, um, the USDA allows a certain percentage of insects in a whole bunch of processed items like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're doing it anyway. You're doing it anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm not squeamish. Like I'm willing to try almost anything. I say almost because there's definitely a few things I wouldn't try. Like, um, what do they do in the Philippines where they like the, the egg? The balut? Yeah. So when I was... Have you had it? I have had it. I went to <laughs> the, fi- the Philippines this summer. And I was like, you know what? I ha- I'm starting an edible insects company. I have to be adventurous in eating. So I tried a beehive in Cambodia. Okay. I can do that. With bee larva in it. Um, I also tried ants. And then I ants are easy to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried uh, the balut. Oh, man. It was like a 17-day-old fertilized duck egg. Yeah. And that was the hardest thing I've eaten. It tasted good. It was good. It was just... It was just hard to eat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at that point, there's like a little bit of like bone in there. Mm-hmm. And you can see yeah, eyes. Some feathers. Some feathers. <laughs> oh, man. I'm pretty big on texture. Is that is it... So, I imagine you get some crunch. Is it slimy-ish, too? Or... Um, I don't remember it being oh, okay. slimy. Okay. I, they hard, they like kind of, well, was it hard boiled? I believe it was like harder. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Maybe I'll try it. <laughs> Maybe I'll try it. It's a, they love it. They love it in the Philippines. They do. It's, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you've been all over Southeast Asia. What mm-hmm. was your favorite part? Um, the Philippines and Malaysia were my top two favorite parts. Yeah. Did you do anything super cool? Yeah, I went to the world's oldest rainforest. Oh, wow. I went, did some jungle trekking there. Um, I went to these beautiful tea hills in Malaysia. Oh, yeah. And the the smell was just so fresh. And it, uh, it's known for, I went to this tea farm that was world, world famous. Oh, um, really? And then in the Philippines, I'm not too much of a beach person. But the beaches there, like, blew me away. Really? What was so, like, uh, what, what stuck out to you the most about the beaches? Um, oh, just how beautiful they were. Yeah. Like, again, like, I'll go to Florida and I'll be like, eh, this is okay, you know, I'll sit on the beach for an hour and go home. But, like, in the Philippines, it was... I just wanted to be there. Yeah. And the biggest thing that stuck out to me of the country was how relaxed the people were Mm. and I just by this point I had been backpacking for about five weeks I just had this deep deep sense of relaxation by the time I left the Philippines that I didn't even know it was possible really to have and I realized that my lifestyle in the U.S., I'm constantly, like, on a scale of one of, or zero stress to ten of high stress, I'm like, my baseline in the U.S. is probably a five. Oh, yeah, just constantly, just <laughs> always something there. And in the Philippines, like, it just went way down. Because my environment, everyone else had, like, not a care in the world. And they didn't have much at all. But what they had was this gorgeous scenery right out their front door mm-hmm. and they would all go to the beach and just hang out. Sounds like a good community, right? In the evening, yeah. Yeah. Community is so important. Um, and, uh, I think traveling like you did and, and seeing the way other people are living, um, it's, I think it's just such a, a necessary thing because in the States, like you said, 
everybody's so stressed yeah. and, and nobody's healthy and everybody not say nobody but so many people are living very unhealthy lives mm-hmm. and um we're in a much uh like better place financially than like a lot of other places but we're not happier right you know what i mean so something's not right there and then you go you travel you see these other places it's like well man they don't have a lot but everybody seems really happy like there's something to that right yeah it was incredible like filipinos just yeah they didn't have very much at all but they had amazing like the world-class um islands and Mm -hmm. beaches at their front door and they took advantage of it that was another surprising thing was no one took their beaches for granted they all greatly appreciated it and they used it yeah i feel like if i was living in something that's beautiful just i grew up there i'd be like oh yeah whatever yeah yeah i feel like yeah i thought that was just like a human thing like we just naturally kind of take those things for granted i know it was it was crazy oh man (laughs) my mind was blown so but touching on the community piece you know that that strikes a home with my other company multipass because these these co-working spaces provide such great community for people and even um even beyond just the startups the entrepreneurs people in the corporate world want to come to these collaborative workspaces because they're missing that community yeah and they're finding it in these niche communities in these spaces. And so I get really excited about um, helping support these micro communities around the world. Yeah. And then connecting them together through our association. Absolutely. And tying in the sustainability and wellness piece. So there are four core um, core pillars of Multipass, and that's community, diversity, sustainability, and wellness. And my business partner, uh, he focuses a lot on the community and diversity, and I focus on the sustainability and wellness. Okay, that's a good partnership. Yeah, yeah. So we bring, you know, he's just amazing at developing community. And um, and then I'm, I'm all about the health and wellness and sustainability. So we try and, between the two of us, pack as many resources as we can in, and provide these to the spaces so that we can impact a lot more people and maybe bring like when I left the Philippines I was like man I would love to bring some of the spirit of the Philippines back to the states and like instill that in these spaces and just kind of share a different way of living oh yeah absolutely that's a that's a beautiful mission for sure um sounds like you're very purpose-driven um, is that, so your partner, is that the same partner for, um, your, um, for the cricket company? I don't, oh, I keep referring it to as the cricket company. Oh, no, no worries. <laughs> Mighty Cricket. As Mighty Cricket. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to call it like a classification though, uh, food, um, for the food. Nah, I don't know. Yeah. Let's call it Mighty Cricket. People, a lot of times they refer to it as the cricket cereal company because my URL is cricketcereal.com. Yeah. But what's the classification for that? It's, a. Uh, it's a oh. food and beverage company. Food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It could be. I'll call it Mike. I'll call it by its name. Or CPG mm. would be, you know, consumer packaged goods. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, um, my business partner for that is Adam Cronk. He lives in Baltimore. He um, is was a cell biologist. Um, well, he he is a cell biologist. <laughs> But he um, was working in a lab here in St. Louis when I met him. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So did you? Um, so what? How, how do I want to ask this? Because you had those four core principles. Mm-hmm. Um, did those translate over to this company as well? Um, or so this of? company is really focused on the sustainability and wellness piece. Those of two it. pieces. Because as I said, you know, I, I brought those two pillars into multi-pass. Right. Um, that's kind of my specialty. Okay. So that's, it definitely overlaps with multi-pass. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to get my mind around it all. It's really cool. So you currently, you guys have 
two products, right? You have the cereal, the oatmeal cereal, and then you have the powdered protein. I'll let yes. you talk about it. You tell, yeah. me. you tell me what you have. Okay. We have a line of oatmeals. So we have three flavors, dark cocoa, cinnamon apple, and coconut cream. And then we have, um, we sell the protein powder so that if people want to make their own recipes, or um, they, then they have the powder to do so. And we are launching soon, I don't know when, but soon, hopefully before the end of the year, um, a waffle and pancake mix. That'll be good. Yeah. That'll be real good. So will that just be, uh, I guess... I guess it would be if it's a mix. It'd be like an instant waffle or pancake. It'll be um, like a high-end biz quick. <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be real cool. So you're thinking maybe next year sometime for that? Or what are you thinking? Is that just well, the kind goal of in the is, R&D right now? The goal is to um, launch it by the end of the year. We're working on sourcing packaging right now for it. So, um, you know, I have two months to the year end so we'll see if i can make it happen you got time you got time <laughs> have you thought about doing just like a whole cricket like a chocolate covered cricket or anything like that um i haven't thought about that in the near future mm-hmm. but um i think that especially in the midwest so we are the first crick uh edible insects cpg company here um very few people have had any yeah. sort of insect. Whereas on the coast, like they're a little bit more introduced to it. Yeah. Um. So to have like a whole insect like that would be a little bit harder for Midwesterners to stomach right now. Mm-hmm. Um. So we want to introduce products that are ground. You wouldn't even notice they're yeah. an insect and then slowly warm them up to the idea of eating something maybe a little bit. Um, whole. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good approach. Um, things are definitely slower to get to the Midwest, much, much slower. I um, I always have this thing to where I feel like if I know something, then like everybody knows it. And um, that can be almost to a fault, especially in the Midwest, because I'm sure you, as you've maybe come across like with your travels, like you get exposed to a lot of different things, right? Mm, yeah. And then... Um, you come back here and people have no idea. Yeah. Like what, like what are you talking about? Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to convey my experiences. Um, because unless you experience it for yourself, then it's, it's really hard to wrap your mind around some things. Yeah. I think that's, um, a big thing with health and wellness. Um, I always say like, you don't know how good you can feel until you feel it. Mm, You know, um, 80 to 90% of our serotonin and a lot of other neurochemicals are produced in our gut. So, I mean, that's why they call it the second brain. So if you're eating poor food, like it's, it has a direct effect on like your cognitive ability too. And like how we interact and interpret this world, you know what I mean? So yeah, you just don't know until you know. Right. That's a really excellent point. Um, and speaking of gut health, so crickets act as a prebiotic. Oh, really? Yeah. They There's this study that came out recently about showing that crickets um, seem to promote healthy gut bacteria. Oh, that's cool. It was really cool. Yeah, that's real, real cool. So I don't, I don't think I asked you this, but um, why crickets? I mean, you've, you've given me some benefits of the crickets, right? Mm-hmm. But I would imagine, did you kind of explore other possible insects? Before landing on crickets, or did you just mm-hmm. kind of come across crickets and you're like, this is it? Well, initially I came across crickets, and it, for me personally, I was like, oh, this is what I've been looking for. Um, but then as I started learning about other insects, I was like, oh, there's really great advantages to these other things. But um, when I thought through them, like I'm personally interested in mealworms um, because they're much cheaper to raise than crickets um and they've got almost as good of a nutritional profile the challenge is that when i say to people would you like to eat cricket cereal and i say would you like to eat mealworm cereal mm-hmm. <laughs> no one wants the very few people want to have worm in their food yeah that's a big throw off but crickets are like we're starting to get to an age where people are willing to try it yeah and it's exciting 
And I found that my target market, um, well, I found that when I ask people, usually under the age of 40, 45, they're willing to try it. Um, over the old, Older than that, it's like, no. No way. <laughs> I don't want to try it. But there is as a market I'm finding in older women, hmm. like 50s, 60s, who are at this point in their life where they're really conscious about their health and that of their um you know their spouses Mm -hmm. and they are searching for like all of these superfoods antioxidants these you know wellness things that um they can try to like boost their longevity right yeah longevity is um it's it's just a growing field you know how can people live longer i fully intend to be a centurion okay yeah like i I just decided so it's gonna happen so you're on the okinawan diet (laughs) no i'm not not that good of a diet they're on it over there yeah um i try to be as as clean as possible though but uh no you're doing a lot of good things with the oatmeal right though i mean because there are a lot of health benefits with oatmeal and then you're just combining with the protein aspect of it because I'm going to change gears here, actually, because I have another question. Mm-hmm. Crickets are keto, right? It's, uh, all, it's all protein, right? It, it, yeah. What is, like, they don't have a lot, I mean, they're not, like, carbohydrate or... No, not really It's just at all, all protein. They have high, they're high in fiber, um, high, high protein, almost all protein. Yeah. Um, and just a little bit of fat. Yeah, yeah. That was, they just seem to have to... It seems like a just a really good source of just nutrients. Yeah. 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 Like, and I'm not keto or anything like that, but it was just an easy way to like. They're also high ask in vitamin. That question. Right. They're also high in vitamin B12. Oh, that's important. Which is awesome. Um, especially some vegans are interested in crickets, which I was surprised about. Um, it's probably it's because of like the reason why they're vegan. If they're vegan for sustainability reasons. Um, then they're like, oh, okay, well, crickets are a great way to get my vitamin B12, which you can't get from plants. Right. So that's the, you know, big deficiency of the vegan diet. But, um, this is a way to get that. Um, but you know, not a lot of vegans don't want to eat the crickets. Yeah. However, the way they're raised and harvested is very, um, humane. They is is part of their natural life cycle, um, the way they're harvested. So, in nature, crickets will um, pop up when it turns warm, and then like here in the U uh, in Missouri, once it starts getting colder, then they go into hibernation, and eventually they die. So crickets don't last longer than um, like twelve weeks. Oh wow, that's a quick life cycle. Yeah. So then when they're being um, raised and harvested for consumption, they're raised in these big crates and um, there are things where that you can put in crates and they hop around and stuff. And then they're harvested by hopping into another bin and then they're bagged and frozen. So then they fall asleep like they naturally do. And then eventually after 24 hours, um, they'll die. But... If you if you thaw them, like before they fully after a full deep freeze, they will come back to life. Oh, really? They are the hardiest animal. It's crazy. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that is a huge piece for the sustainability. As far as I mean, you can grow a lot in a very little space. Yeah. 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 So it takes um, about a pound of beef protein takes mm, around 2,000 gallons of water to make and a pound of chicken protein takes about 700 gallons of water a pound of soy protein requires five gallons and a pound of cricket protein requires one gallon of water oh nice so from the water standpoint it just like blows away yeah any other protein that's source. huge and um especially like soy i'm not a big fan of soy as a male one soy promotes estrogen growth right so that's not really something that i want and then something like 90 some odd percent like most of soy is gmo like hardly any of it's really um like organic 
Yeah, unless it's fermented, I heard that it's an endocrine disruptor, and there's soy in everything, so we're already consuming so much soy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of water, like we're heading into a, the world is, has a water crisis. And so crickets are a great way to add something nutrient dense into foods without using so much water, Yeah, which is, um, you know, there are project peanut butter project for malnourished Haitians and, um, Africans that are being headed up by various parties in the u.s and they're finding that it is requiring too much water to get the peanuts so if we can um enhance some of this food with the cricket protein or uh, uh, another insect protein then uh we'll be able to feed more people yeah that's huge that's huge i mean nutrient-dense food is just so important because Countless people are just eating nutrient void food. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's nothing in there. And um, you mentioned the B12. That I think that's so important, especially like for the vegans, because like you could try to get it through like spirulina or chlorella or something, but that allergy tastes like crap. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants that. Um, yeah, that's that's clutch. Um, are you involved with any of those like organizations or anything like that, like doing like the world feeding? You know, I would like to get involved with two things. One is disaster relief programs. Um, so in a crisis, here's some nutrient-dense foods that you can disseminate. And then the second is um, for malnourished populations of the world. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's... I'm just thinking all this through. Like, it's a really good option for yeah. a lot of people. And for me, it would help my startup because we would be able to gain volume mm-hmm. really quickly through that to help lower the cost of production. Yeah. Because any food startup has such high cost because we're buying low qual- quantities. Yeah. And we have to pass that cost on to the consumer. Um, so... You know, that's something that I would like to align with organizations that are doing this and have a passion for sustainable, nu- nutrient-dense foods so that we can help each other. I can I can um, use my company to really help the world, and in turn, I'd be able to lower my own costs so that um, people who just everyday Americans t- can take advantage of mighty cricket products without having to pay a fortune for it right i imagine if you were to introduce like cricket farming to a community i mean you're you're creating like a source of like income for that community and like or food and like i said it doesn't take many resources it i imagine it's pretty easy to teach somebody how to raise crickets no am i am i am i oversimplifying it what does Um, it take to grow crickets it takes heat. Uh, it takes, you know, a warehouse, some feed. Um, you know, there's there's an investment. There's a little startup cost, but um, it's certainly certainly doable. Yeah. I mean, not yeah. It, it's totally um, if you just have a little bit of space. Right. Just a little bit of space and a little bit of interest in it. Yeah, it doesn't take much at all. Yeah. You, could, you could do a lot. That's really cool. So if folks wanted to like like check out check out your cereal, where would they go for that? Cricketcereal.com. Uh, and then they can just just check out the cricketcereal.com. There's again three flavors of the of the of the oatmeal. Of the oatmeal. Right now, yeah. Uh, then the cricket protein powder and then um Hopefully before the end of the year, if I get my act together, there will be a waffle and pancake mix. And that one had people in St. Louis when I've tested it out so far. They've been so excited about that one. And my daughter loves the cricket waffles. I bet she does. What kid doesn't like waffles? I know. They're so good. And she knows that she's eating crickets, but like that's because I told her. Otherwise, you wouldn't even know. Yeah. Kids kind of like that weird stuff, though. They do. Yeah. She was really excited about the... She asked me to put crickets in her smoothies that I make for her. Oh, really? She's all about the crickets. She's my biggest fan. That's awesome. That's awesome. Does your protein powder, does it come in flavors or... No, not yet. Not right now. Okay. Um, And I'm thinking about that. You know, whey is... 
mixes with water pretty well. Mm-hmm. But the cricket powder would not blend. It's not. It doesn't. Um, it's not like water soluble. Okay. You know? So I I'm doing some testing to see if I can like make a good protein powder that's flavored that people would just add water to. Yeah. So that's yeah. in the works. It's all a process. You know what I mean? Like, that's the beautiful thing about business, right? I mean, uh, you, it's just, it's all trial and error, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you're learning. Yeah. Iteration after iteration, listening to the consumer's feedback is huge. Um, and I've worked in customer feedback before. And so I really appreciate when I get feedback, even if it, I mean, positive or negative, I don't care. Yeah. Because that's really valuable content. I listen to it and then people are telling me like, I don't like this or I really like this or I want to see more of this. I really do incorporate that into my products. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. So many, so many entrepreneurs, like they get in this like one track mind and I've been guilty of this. It's like, well, this is what I want to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what do you mean? You don't like it? (laughs) Like I like it. (laughs) Right. And, um, or like any sort of criticism, you get offended and you're like, well, that concern isn't valid because this person is just mean or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's really not helpful. No. <laughs> if you don't like, and, and sometimes you do get criticism that's, that's put in a hostile format. But what I've come to realize is people are hostile when they're criticizing companies sometimes um, because they're like feeling guilty yeah. about like they don't like the product and they feel either guilty that they don't like it and they have to tell the person or they feel like they were deceived or manipulated on purpose. So there's a lot of distrust with corporations and yeah. like corporations, especially U.S.-based um, or I guess anywhere in the world, they're just trying to make the most profit and yeah. like cheapen their products for the consumer. But having worked in a variety of small to medium sized businesses and like having my own business, I just, and having the financial um, background of accounting, I just realized that companies are a lot of times just trying to do make a really great product you know they're not trying to deceive the customer or anything so um i take it from that approach like trying to assure the customer that i really appreciate their feedback and i will use it versus you know not just like gonna get mad that they gave me a critical review yeah a lot of consumers are just so jaded um Mm -hmm. by a very like old world model of business right yeah like that doesn't work anymore but you know i do have to say in the in the branding of health and wellness um there are a lot of companies that want to be branded as healthy so they do so and they're not really healthy yeah so in that regard i do understand the like kind of intentional deception yeah yeah, it happens all the time. It I does, mean, yeah. You'll have like, like you said, nature's choice, or like you'll have, uh, or you said healthy choice. Health. I said healthy choice, not to wrap on that brand, but just saying that you can use name like healthy right. choice. Right. Yeah. Or they'll, you know, just beautiful packaging with greens and just lighter colors, or they'll have that little heart healthy symbol on there, which you buy, by the way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. who are you fooling? So yeah, and then. And then you just kind of compound that with the amount, with the fact that, like you said, most people don't read labels. Mm-hmm. And then there's just, there's a lot of misinformation in the health and wellness space. So when I was in North Carolina, I had this project called SOS Surviving on Stamps, where I taught families on food stamps that you don't have to eat, you don't have to be wealthy to eat healthy, was my tagline. That's a good one. So true. Yeah. And um, so I would go into people's homes and I, I was filming this um kind of critique their kitchen pantry and refrigerator and the foods in it um and then we i teach them how to make something healthy given their budget and so i remember one of these um 
families that I, I was helping, I pulled out this frozen TV dinner and asked the guy why he bought this. And he said he bought it to try and be healthy. And I, so I was like, okay, that's kind of an odd answer. So I look on the nutrition label and it was super high in sodium and high in sugar. And I said, okay, look at this label. Now, this is like for a serving size of two. And he was like, what? I'm like, so if you're going to eat this whole thing by yourself, you have to multiply it by two. Right. Yeah. People miss that. <laughs> yeah. And um, he's like, I'm like, why did you buy this? He's like, well, in the front, it, it, you know, there's broccoli there. There's like, he was just looking, going by the image yeah. of yeah. these fresh looking vegetables. And I was just like, oh, man, this is not healthy. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the thing about it is healthy isn't really the most convenient thing. Like, it doesn't right. have to be super inconvenient. Um, I mean, what's a healthier and quicker snack than, like, grabbing a piece of fruit or something? Mm-hmm. Um, but it does take a little bit of work. Um, also, with, like, for for fruit, for example, like if you're buying bananas, you're have to, having to monitor to make sure they don't spoil, yeah. which is an di- additional bandwidth. Uh, you know, it takes mm-hmm. a little bit of thought to make sure your fresh produce doesn't go bad. Yeah, because it goes bad quick. Yeah, and I, that's something I learned from my Surviving on Stamps project was that, um, you know, these low-income families had so much other stress and worries to think about that they really couldn't think about unfortunately their health they couldn't like put that first because they were so busy putting out other fires yeah so they couldn't think about like how do i go shopping and buy fresh stuff and make sure that it doesn't spoil and i have enough food for everyone and yeah it's just too much yeah you know health usually is the first thing that goes on the back burner Mm -hmm. uh, when you start worried about all these other things um which actually brings me to a question, maybe a little bit, we're going to segue a little bit here. Okay. You maybe, it was a good thought that I just had. Um, what do you think about a possible, um, uh, like, universal, like, basic income for people? I th- I'm asking because, like, I think about, like, where technology is going, and especially with, like, what we're, with, like, Tesla and these different things and, like, self-driving cars, and you kind of think about... I mean, we're losing more and more jobs to technology all the time. So eventually, there's I feel like there's going to be there's going to there's going to be more people than jobs, which we're kind of getting to that place pretty quickly. Yeah. And so it's I just think about like just human basic needs. You know what I mean? And, and like you had made the comment, you know, they're worried about these other things. Like I imagine like paying rent and yeah. you know like earning just living. So. Have you ever thought about that, like a, a universal income, or like what that might do, or if oh, man. I could just—I don't know—I pulled it out of left field. <laughs> this is out of left field. It's not my uh, it's expertise to- at all. That's totally fine. That's yeah. totally fine. I always think about it because sometimes I'm just like, man, maybe maybe that wouldn't be a terrible thing because there's like two arguments there. Like one, if you have money just coming to you, then you're not going to do anything. But if you have just like enough to like, I don't know, maybe just like pay rent and electric then maybe that would free up to do some other pursuits in life, like entrepreneurship, like like finding that purpose to where you can help your community. Well, we do. There, So I worked with people in public housing. So we kind of already have, you know, some of those systems in place. And it's not, you. they have to qualify to get the housing or get the food stamps. Yeah. You know, they have to meet certain criteria. But if you give someone just like a blank check of, you know, a base income and they could spend however they wanted, um, I don't know, would they spend it on housing or would they spend it on something that they shouldn't? Yeah. Well, if you remove the well, I think I think it would have to replace the welfare systems. Yeah. Yeah. Like you couldn't have this option and this option right. you know what i mean like these would have to go away and then it's like all right everybody gets like a thousand dollars every month i don't know i'm just throwing out a number mm-hmm. you know what i mean i don't know i heard that proposed on joe rogan some time ago and it's something i mulled over over the year like i don't know it's probably been a year plus now for sure 
But um, it's it, just, it would be giving people putting the power back in the people of how how they want to spend their money, you know. So, like public housing, I guess you have an allotment; you can only spend it in certain areas, mm-hmm. and this would give them a little bit more flexibility to do that. Yeah, um, it's it's a thought. I don't know. It's just an interesting thought because, like I said, just with the way things seem to be going with technology. Um, we just need less people to do the jobs. And then I mentioned like the Tesla and self-driving cars. I mean, if we got 18 wheelers that can drive themselves, I mean, that's a huge portion of the population that, uh, that won't have a job. Yeah. Yeah. Cab drivers. Like, like, what do you do with those people? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I think one of the coolest things that people could start getting back into, like, are having small farms. Yeah. You know, like bring it back to the basics. It seems like we're just returning there. Urban farming could be a thing. Um, And, you know, would they be able to grow enough to sustain themselves and sell some things? I I don't know. You see it more and more in the cities. Um, I've seen it in St. Louis some. You know, they'll take like a little plot and they'll turn it into like a little community farm. But it's not much. It's like a garden. Mm-hmm. So I just had like this vision or like when you're saying that, like what if they did that more urban farming? Like you just took some plots. I mean, you had a you had a garden for vegetables and then right next to you're growing crickets because <laughs> yeah. they don't take much space, right? right? And right. they only take, you know, a gallon of water. Like, I don't know. It just seems like uh, some cool possibilities. Yeah. I, w- I was thinking about how awesome it would be if um, if there a mu- as much marketing was going into fresh fruits and vegetables as it was going into packaged goods. That'd be so cool. Because marketer farmers are not marketers, At and all. <laughs> like in order to get enough um, return from. Okay, so what if, like, farmers start growing these artesian, like, these heirloom tomatoes or this specific type of broccoli that you did, you never found before here in the U.S. or these gourmet bananas? Yeah. Um, And then they actually had some marketing dollars behind that. So all of a sudden, the packaging of this produce was differentiated. Uh, right now, green beans are kind of a commodity. Yeah. They aren't differentiated by these are a specific variety or these are, um, you know, from so-and-so farms. Yeah, there's no story behind there's it no at story. all. It's like, it's yeah. just, here it is. It's just sitting here. Yeah, and in grocery stores, they're displayed in these big bins. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes... If there is any branding, the only branding will be like a sign that says locally made or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, But if marketers marketed for the farmers rather than for the CPG companies, how cool would that be? Yeah, that'd be a really good shift to have. Yeah, so all of a sudden, like when um, one time several years ago when I was in college, uh, grapes were branded with Disney characters. Really? And they said, uh, I forget what brand it was, but sales went through the roof <laughs> during that period. That's cool. Yeah, I, never, I didn't see that. And I remember my college roommates buying the grapes <laughs> because of the Disney characters for some reason. Um so yeah, that's that was what first planned that see that thought um in my mind. Uh but yeah, that could that could be a game changer then. Yeah, I never thought about that. I mean, yeah, what if you had like I don't know, Moana coconuts or something. Like, I don't know, pick a Disney character and just right. put them on a fruit or a vegetable or something. I bet more kids would be apt to eat that. Mhm. And then all of a sudden, um like farmers could charge more for more niche to grow more niche things yeah absolutely because then like you said it's no longer a commodity you know you have this farmer's like no i specialize in this particular type of vegetable like you know what i mean yeah Yeah, that's that's cool yeah i like that thought for sure there's a lot of places we could take this for sure i mean (laughs) 
the health and wellness space has a lot of uh, a lot of room for growth mm-hmm. for sure you know and getting their message across um, it's war out there yeah we've We've talked about a whole bunch of different things here with so many different concepts, but yeah. like bringing those that are been farming to, um, to like the, our everyday world. That's something that I'd like to see with multipass is like bringing, um, gardens into the spaces oh, or, yeah. uh, now there's, there are these companies that are starting to automate farming indoors. Um, like with technology, they can just automate getting nutrients to the right plants and stuff from, you know, a, a tablet yeah, or yeah. phone. Yeah, makes it so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing a lot of different cool things with farming, trying to figure out how they can grow more in less space. Yeah, so like get, bringing that into the multi-pass network of spaces, that would be so awesome to yeah. see. Yeah, the possibilities are, are, are amazing. Yeah, good stuff. Well, Sarah, it's been an hour. Wow. I know. Time just flies. <laughs> I really, does. yeah, I know. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, tell the folks how they can, uh, again, find you. Um, say hello, ask questions, anything yeah. you want to plug. <clears throat> the floor is yours. Okay. So um, there I have my Mighty Cricket URL. Multipass URL is multipassapp.com. But the best way to really to reach out to me is I'm always on LinkedIn. Okay. And I love it. And so if they send me a connection request and a message on LinkedIn, I'm Sarah Schlafly, um, Sarah with an H, Schlafly like the beer. <laughs> so that's how they can reach out to me. Okay. Okay. Any other socials? Is that That's the best one for you? That's the best one for me. Okay. All right. And I'll put this in the show notes to make it easy for people to click and find you. So, okay, cool. Cool. All right, Sarah. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Adam. Thanks, everybody. Until next time.